0: Now on WOC, the QC Current puts a focus on our beautiful bi-state riverfront destination. Presented by Visit Quad Cities, it's a weekly look at untold stories of the Quad Cities region and the history, people, events, and businesses that make this area unique. Here's the host of the QC Current, Hannah Ginder.
1: Good morning, QC. I'm Hannah Ginder, and this is the QC Current a radio show created by Visit Quad Cities with a focus on telling the untold stories of our bi-state riverfront destination. From little-known history to new innovations to quirky personalities, this show brings you deeper into the Quad Cities and leaves you ready to explore it yourself. This is the Quad Cities, where we're always reaching, always growing, always genuine, and always current. Today, I am excited to be joined by filmmakers Kelly and Tammy Rundle of 4th Wall Films. 4th Wall Films is a Quad Cities-based film and video production company specializing in Midwestern historical documentaries. Thanks for being here, you guys. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah, thanks. Yes. So to get things started, how did you two get started as filmmakers?
0: How did we get started? We, One of the first things we did when we started dating was uh, we made a film together, and uh, we then... Uh, finished college together also. And we, we made a film together while we were in college. So Mm -hmm. I guess we started that early on. Um, And she was the first, she was the first girl I had ever met who was also, you know, doing the same things I was doing Mm -hmm. uh, with my parents' movie cameras. So (laughs) that's way back. Yes. That's how we got started. But uh, in 1989, we moved to Los Angeles and I had every intention of working in the film industry in some way, and I got a job at Columbia Pictures. Mm -hmm. And after about three years at Columbia Pictures, I thought, well, there aren't that many movies that the studio produces that I'm really that proud of. And so we started talking about producing something on our own. Mm -hmm. And uh, over a 10-year period, actually, we made our first documentary feature film called Velisca Living with a Mystery. And we examined the Uh, 1912 Velisca axe murder story and the impact that it had on that small community and then we distributed that film and it was in theaters in the midwest for a little over a year so that took a long time to finish and to get out there in the world but it opened the doors uh, to everything else that came after that
1: gotcha so you guys were out in la at first what brought you back to the quad cities to continue filmmaking here Well, we loved living in
2: Los Angeles. We were there for about 18 years, and Mm -hmm. that's the movie capital of the world, so we were really very content there. Um, But we found early on through the Velisca Project um, that our interest was really in telling uh, Midwestern history stories. That's where we were from, and Mm -hmm. we didn't want to really get into making documentaries about the same old topics that were being being done and focused on on the East Coast and West Coast. So that really, that commitment was really what kind of motivated us looking at coming back home.
0: And, and our second film, uh, Lost Nation in the Iowa, we traveled to do that production during 2005 and 2006. And we logged about 20,000 highway miles. Oh, uh, wow. So it just, made sense in a way to be where the stories were instead of doing that kind of uh, road travel.
2: (laughs) It was hard. I was crying all the way as we were driving back uh, to the Midwest. But it was really the right thing to do because Mm -hmm. we have been, I thought we were going to get back and, oh, we can take a breath. It's going to be, you know, things will slow down. And we have not slowed down since we opened the truck and started unloading <laughs> it's been nonstop. that's
0: pretty much true
1: yeah well you guys now have a long lineup of films that you've cre- created here in the Quad Cities um, and the one that really kind of at least put you on my own radar was the Hero Street series and Hero Street is in Silvis Illinois it's a block and a half long and that street lost six young men in World War II and two in the Korean War and that's more than any other street in America of any size and Hero Street has since provided over 100 American military service members since World War II as well. So how did you guys get started with this story? How did it come to you?
0: Okay, so this is a little embarrassing. because <laughs> I'm ashamed of this, really, but I graduated from United Township High School. So that means I went to school with kids who were related to the heroes. I'll mention their names, Tony Pompa, Frank Sandoval, William Sandoval. Claro Solis, Peter Macias, Joseph Sandoval, Joseph Gomez, and John Munoz. Those are the, the eight heroes. Mm-hmm. So I did all of that and never heard the story. Wow. Never heard the story. Never heard the story until we moved back in 2007. And I think at that time they were doing some work on the monument, maybe finishing mm-hmm. that project. So I kept seeing <laughs> stories in the paper about Hero Street. And like, what is that all about? And then uh, I ran into a copy of um, Mark Wilson's book, read the book, and thought, wow, this would really make a great documentary story. Mm -hmm. So we, uh, Mark introduced us to some of the members of the families, and um, and then we just kind of tried to raise money for the project and get going on it. But we struggled with that, uh, couldn't find any way to fund it. And then WQPT came to us and they said, well, the Illinois Arts Council has some grant money they want to give us for a project, but we don't have an idea. Do you have an idea (laughs) (laughs) for something? We know this wouldn't fund the whole story, but is there some portion of that we could do? And that's what led to doing the first film, Letters Home to Hero Street. Mm -hmm. And the success of that film Uh, Has led us to the notion of doing it as a series and so kind of breaking it down into parts. And somehow that got, you know, had traction and we've been able to move ahead and we have four completed parts now.
2: Right. And (laughs) it's a 10 part series. At least that's what we're planning to do. And uh, something that uh, the films that we make, we're not hit and run filmmakers, um, meaning we don't just do a film, a short, and then and then move on, uh, our projects are long-term. So this, it usually takes about a year to two years to kind of get these completed.
1: Gotcha. So you have the four completed far- parts so far. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to have to give away too much, but can you give us kind of a little bit of a synopsis of each of those parts?
0: Yes, if I can remember them. <laughs> uh. <laughs> We sort of did Letters Home to Hero Street, which I suppose technically is something like part five in the series mm-hmm. now. But uh, then we went back to the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. And in riding The Rails to Hero Street, told uh, the story of how the families came to be in the area. Uh, so the flight from Mexico during the Mexican Revolution and the railroad jobs, uh, the railcar um, village, uh, in Silvis, the movement of the folks up to Hero Street in 1929. So that's the story we told there, and then we um, went to uh, well Willie Sandoval's story.
2: Oh right, a bridge too mm-hmm. bridge too far, bridge from, too Hero far from Hero Street.
0: Mm-hmm. So that uh, I should say too that we're doing this a little different than most series, where they kind of create a format and then just plug the story elements in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're approaching each story in its own particular way. So Letters Home to Hero Street was done through the letters of one of the heroes, and we did reenactments with an actor portraying that person, uh, Frank Sandoval. Bridge Too Far from Hero Street is more of a traditional documentary with a focus on a famous military operation, Operation Market Garden during World War Two, And um, and then Riding the Rails to Hero Street, again, more a little more conventional documentary, but um, focused on, on that history. So each one is going to be a little bit different, and the one we're in the middle of now is, is, is different yet. There will be some element of reenactments, but different than what we saw in Letters Home.
2: We're working on an infantryman from Hero Street right now, mm-hmm. and that is Joseph Sandoval's story. So mm-hmm. even though um, we are focused on that one at present, we are still Um, you know, building the stories for the other heroes and interviewing family members. So we have accumulated quite a few interviews already. We're also going to be, by the end of the series, looking at the contemporary story and uh, how all of those stories have tied together and tell the story of where they are now and the impact that they've had on the Quad Cities. It's really a remarkable story
1: to tell. Wow. Excited to see it as it (laughs) continues to come out. Um, So it sounds like research is taking you quite some time for each of these projects. What's that research process like? Well, um, we started, like Kelly said, we started out
2: uh, first reading Mark Wilson's Hero Street USA book. And that really kind of laid out the story of each of the heroes. So we were able to kind of get an overview of uh, each of their stories and then, of course, we went and we visited Hero Street, and we've mm-hmm. been back and forth there quite often, kind of updating the story, because things kind of transform over time, which is kind of the wonderful thing about documentary filmmaking. These stories unfold, you know, they don't just stop in mm-hmm. time, they keep moving. And so we go back there, we've, you know, spent time at the monument, which is a remarkable uh, place to be, and the park, and also just walking up and down that street, meeting the families, interviewing the families. That alone is so much information that you're receiving. Um, And uh, we've spent a lot of time going through newspaper archives and reading and just kind of immersing ourselves, looking for historical images because this is a visual medium. We have to be able to find those images to help us to tell our story. And uh, we don't want them to just be black and white print either. You know, you've got to try to bring that to life so people end up caring about the story in the end. Uh, We've read war books. Um, John McManus's September Hope, The American Side of a Bridge Too Far, was, you know, very helpful to us when we were working on William Sandel's story. And Carlos Harrison's The Ghosts of Hero Street, Um, We went to the University of uh, Iowa's Women's Archives, where they have um, tremendous materials. They gathered and preserved documenting the lives of Latinas and their contributions to Iowa history. Um, We viewed documentaries. There have been a couple documentaries done on the subject, short documentaries that were done some time ago. Um, So we've looked at those. We've looked at military archival films. We've Mm -hmm. looked at movies. Um, the most important thing, though, has been interviewing the dozens of heroes' family members and their friends, and their, the veterans and community leaders, and uh, they've and historians. You know, these are the stories that bring that important, significant story to life. These are extraordinary people who, for generations, have kept the stories of their boys alive. And they call them their Mm. boys. They're still their boys to them. A number of uh, family members call them that. And and the story is just very inspirational and moving because it has been their goal to honor those men. And they've done that successfully all these years, keeping those stories alive. Mm
1: Yeah. And now it sounds like you guys are a, a part of that, too, keeping those stories alive.
0: Well, that's a great honor, really, mm-hmm. um, just to be part of that uh, process. Tremendous responsibility, <laughs> too, but yeah, I'm you know, sure. we feel honored to be part of it. And yes. in each case, you know, we're trying to get at the hero's unique experience uh, at war, in wartime. And they also tell a story about the context of the war. So, for example, in Letters Home, certainly we're looking at Frank's own journey through his letters. But then we look at how, it's a simple thing, but how mail was delivered back and forth between people who were serving, sometimes in combat situations, and home. How did that even work? So that was an element that we uh, explored in that film.
1: Gotcha. So to transition a little bit, you have another um, large film that is based in the Quad Cities, though not necessarily a Quad Cities story to my understanding, Sons and Daughters of Thunder. Is a docudrama that's primarily a Quad Cities cast and filmed in Quad Cities area locations. Can you tell us a little bit about this film and how it was maybe different from Hero Street?
0: Yeah, it was really different. Um, (laughs) They say that documentary filmmakers all they all want to make a feature film and they're you know, a fictional film and and they're just waiting to do that. I don't really feel like that was our situation, but somehow that's what happened. So but I guess because it was a history story. We thought we were safe, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's different because uh, it's different on the production end. It's different, particularly different in post production. Um, and so this particular this story came to us through someone who saw our film Lost Nation the Iowa, and they knew a woman who'd written a play, and the play was uh, produced in the seventies to good notices, and it was about the eighteen. Uh, 18- 34 Lane Seminary debates in Cincinnati, Ohio. These were the first public debates about the abolition of slavery in the United States, and they were student-organized. And uh, the event drew a lot of attention. This was a, in an era of great oratory, so people were going out to see these things instead of sitting home watching television or listening to the radio. <laughs> right. And uh, so it was, a, it was a big deal at the time. And um, and it was the, we say, uh, it was the beginning of the end of slavery in a way, sort of that beginning of the discussion and people being even just willing to discuss it. So we got interested in that story and worked with the playwright and her husband, and they decided they wanted to, us to write a screenplay, which we did. And then uh, next thing I knew, we were trying to make it happen, produce that screenplay. So. We did uh, produce it here locally. We had a couple of actors, uh, a friend of ours from Los Angeles, and uh, one or two others from Chicago, but almost the whole cast was from the Quad Cities, and a number of the locations were in the Quad Cities. Mm -hmm. It was an exciting project, Mm -hmm. terrifying.
1: (laughs) How did you go about finding cast locally here? We had um,
2: Kimberly Kurtenbach, who is uh, an actress and a local actress in theatrical director, uh, was a wonderful casting director for us um, and an executive producer on the project and she located a lot of Quad Cities actors. We decided that we wanted to shoot this in this area here. This Mm -hmm. was lower budget so we weren't going to be able to go and do a lot of traveling to shoot elsewhere so she uh, found us excellent talent in the area Um, and brought them to us, they auditioned. Uh we had jeez, it must have been like twenty five lead parts. uh well yeah, I th- probably five lead parts and then but even big parts for, you know, the people who she <laughs> I think
0: we irritated a lot of the local theaters because <laughs> we had people tied up for several months in a yeah. way. And they had to grow their hair out and some of the guys had like sideburns and we did a <laughs> we did a read through and it was like a casting it was like we were casting that seventies show or something, you know? <laughs> But, um, yeah, so lots of great people uh, were mm-hmm. involved.
2: I was very impressed with how many wonderful, talented people are in yeah. this area. You mm-hmm. know, not only uh, cast, but crew. You know, we had a lot of crew in the area that were involved. That You were talking about what was different about doing this as opposed to doing a documentary. Well, you have many more people involved. You know, you're relying on people, talented people, people behind the camera um, and and. Wonderful people in front. Plus, Kelly mentioned this this morning, that you, you, know, you know what people are going to be saying. You've got a script. You know They've got lines. With the documentary, you don't know what's going to be coming at you. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we shot at some remarkable places in the Quad Cities. Um, we uh, were at the Karpelis, um Library shooting there up in that wonderful auditorium. And we shot at House on the Hill. At Augustana. Uh, We shot at the Dillon Home, which is nearby, Sterling, Sterling. Illinois. Mm -hmm. That, That served as a wonderful estate to shoot at. And the Jenny Lynn Chapel was the place where we spent a lot of time shooting the debates, and that's in Andover. Andover. So we really focused a a lot of our uh, filming here in the area. And then, of course, we went to the Harriet Beecher Stowe House to shoot some interiors, which is in Cincinnati, Ohio. It is the one remaining structure at the Lane Seminary grounds. There's nothing else left there. And then we went out to Hartford, Connecticut, to shoot the Harriet Beecher Stowe Center where Harriet Beecher lived her last days of her life and, and died there. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. <laughs> all right. So you have the Hero Street series, you have Sons and Daughters of Thunder, and of course you also have another long list of films that you've created. Do you guys have any favorites?
0: Well, that's like asking who your favorite child is, right? <laughs> uh, you
1: just can't admit it, but there is one. <laughs> well, they're
0: all special for different reasons. I suppose the Last Nation, the Iowa series of films, the three films we did with, Uh, with our Native American friends. Uh, That's probably changed us more than uh, the other films and uh, has made a bigger impact maybe on our lives. Um, But they're all special in their own way. And what's Mm -hmm. great is that we have a little family of people, a little community of people that forms around each project. And uh, we get to stay in touch with those people and they become part of our, our lives. So that's a great benefit.
2: That's the great thing about doing these films. I mean, we've done so many, you know, we've done a murder mystery. We're doing, a, you know, the Hero Street series. We're, we've done a country school documentary. We've done, a, 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 you know, a film on barn razors. Every person has a story to tell. And um, those stories teach us something. They move us. They inspire us. They prevent us from making the same mistakes over and again if we listen yes (laughs) Uh, they remind us to be courageous and to do the right thing and to persevere so it's hard to just pick one film because (laughs) they've
1: all impacted us in that way
0: right I
1: love that and what about other projects you have coming up you mentioned Hero Street is in continuation anything else
0: yeah, we're working on a film called Resurrecting Forest Grove, which is about the restoration of the Forest Grove uh, School in Bettendorf and um, and uh, how that, sort of, sort of the history of the Quad Cities in the 1920s along with that. Uh, we're doing a museum film. We do some production work for other uh, businesses or companies, and so museum films are one of the things we do. Uh, doing that for Forest Grove uh, School also. And um, We're getting ready to distribute a film that we've been another long-term project, a documentary about Iowa actress Jean Seberg. And uh, that film's been done for a while, but because it had a lot of third-party material, film clips and other things, there were a lot of legal uh, hoops to jump through. So we're excited that's finally uh, at the end
2: Yeah, we co-produced that with Gary McGee, and uh, she was an actress, an activist, and an icon. So we're kind of excited about that finally coming out. Yeah. Awesome. We've been in labor for like 10 years on that.
0: Right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So for people that are listening that now want to go watch some of your films, how can they do that?
0: Well, you can't come to an in-person screening right now, (laughs) which is what we really enjoy doing. Uh, Wow. That's been on hold for a year. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been doing some events online. We have one tomorrow for uh, becoming Harriet Beecher Stowe. Uh, Our films are in film festivals. Uh, We stream them uh, kind of pay-per-view type thing on vimeo Uh, we're hoping to be streaming on amazon soon the dvds are all available at our website and also on amazon so just sort of the usual ways
2: and pbs broadcasts as well
0: yeah all of our Mm -hmm. stuff is definitely broadcast in wqpt here locally and then in other stations throughout the region
1: Mm -hmm. awesome well Hopefully those listening will take advantage of that and watch some of these films. I watched a couple. They're they're really great and definitely worth the time to view. Thank well, you. Thank you. Yes. All right. So we're gonna wrap things up here the way we always do on the QC current. I'm gonna hit you with some rapid fire questions about your favorite things to do, to see, to eat in the quasi. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. First question. Favorite spot for dinner?
2: Hmm. Uh gosh. That's not very rapid fire, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> they
1: look at each other and we try like to figure los, out the answer. We like los
0: Agaves.
2: Yeah. We, spent, we do annoying. that. And uh, geez. I, home.
1: We do a lot of cooking. We, <laughs> we do. It's a great spot too. <laughs> yes. We do. All right. Favorite local cup of coffee? Dead Poets. Yes. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Favorite place to grab a dessert or a sweet treat?
0: Hmm. So that would be Country Time or uh, Whitey's, Whitey's. Ice Cream. Yeah, yeah. probably.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. And then do you have a favorite Quad Cities brewery? Oh. oh, River House. We like to go to the River House.
2: Yeah. In yeah. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Awesome. And favorite way to spend a free Saturday afternoon in the Quad Cities? Free. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. You know, well, yeah.
0: well We love going to the movies, and, uh, of course, we haven't been able to do that for, like, a year now. So we're dying dying to go to the movies.
2: (laughs) We like to go to Blackhawk State Park. We like to go to the museum there. We like to take visitors to Hero Street, of course. Uh, We like to do a lot of uh, walking around museums, the Figgy, the Putnam. Those are our favorite places to go. Um, And it's not free, but we love to go to... A lot of the theater here, Black Box Theater, Quad City Theater Workshop, and, you know, smaller theaters, wonderful Mm -hmm. opportunities.
1: All right, final question of the day. What's one thing every visitor to the Quad Cities must do? Go
2: to Hero Street. That isn't as important as, as I think, John Deere. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Well, everybody knows John Deere, the man, if not the company. Bix Beck, we're very proud of Bix. But if you know those two uh, things, you should also know the Hero Street story. Yeah,
1: Definitely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kelly and Tammy. Thank you for joining me today.
2: Thank, thank you, you so much.
1: I'm Hannah Ginder, and this has been the QC Current.
0: You've been listening to the QC Current, presented by Visit Quad Cities, the official destination management and marketing organization for the Quad Cities region. Learn more about us, our region, neighborhoods, and community partners at visitquadcities.com and connect with us through your favorite social media sites. Tune in next weekend for another episode of the QC Current on WOC News Talk 1420.